Well, I've been looking forward to sharing this message with you this week. The title of the message is Five Pillars of Fearlessness. Five Pillars of Fearlessness. And the primary text is Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Um, There are some challenging commands in the Scriptures for all of us. But I think one of the most challenging is do not fear. Do not fear. So this morning we're going to look at what I'm referring to as the five pillars of fearlessness. But before we get there, I just want to share a picture that helps me in my mind to understand the importance of the foundation that these pillars in our life are built upon. I just want to share a very practical story. Uh, Many of you have been to uh, Cindy and my home. You know that we had a deck in our backyard. We built this home approximately 30 years ago, and this deck has served us for about 30 years. About three, four years ago, my brother-in-law, who is in construction, told me, Mike, you need to do something about this deck. It's not safe anymore. And I'm looking at the deck, and I think, hey, it looks fine to me. So we continued on using our deck and and, uh, enjoying it. God, there's times we'd have way, probably way too many people on this deck, but it looked good. And every time he would come, every time Jeff would come, he'd say, Mike, your deck's not good. So we had to do some other projects around our house this last fall. So we decided, you know what, it's time to probably get rid of that deck. And we thought we'd replace it with a four-season porch, something that we could use more than we could our deck. So when we had built this deck, of course, it attached to the house on one end, and then it stretches out towards into our backyard. And we had three pillars. In this case, they were four-by-four treated wood timbers. And they look great yet. That's why I wasn't concerned. And besides, I'm kind of cheap. Didn't want to replace my deck. But when we decided to tear the deck off, we discovered those four-by-four treated wooden timbers were not four-by-four anymore underneath the ground. They were more like two-by-two rotting pieces of wood. Our foundation, the, the pillars, if you would, of our deck were not safe at all anymore. So when we decided to put in the four-season porch, our contractor comes and he says, we're going to put in some concrete. And I go, great. Well, he comes and he comes with a big auger. And I mean a big auger. Probably two feet across at least in diameter. And he comes and he digs these holes about three, three and a half feet deep. And I'm looking at this thing and, man, alive, is this overkill. We had little four-by-four timbers before. And he kept encouraging me that, Mike, the foundation is critical. If the foundation's bad, the structure above it's going to be in trouble eventually. So he filled those huge holes with about three feet, three and a half feet of concrete under the ground, let that dry, and then he came and continued above the ground with pillars the same size, about four feet in the air. And as I'm looking at these seven feet of concrete, at least two feet in diameter, I'm thinking, this is crazy. My contractor just kept saying, Mike, I know we could have probably got by with less, but we want the foundation and the pillars to be solid so that the structure up above is safe and can withstand whatever's going to come against it. So I'm going to pretend for a few minutes that I know a lot more about construction than I really do. And if those of you that know me know that that is definitely not 
an area that I am gifted in. But I am able to understand some things about a foundation. When you look at a foundation, the primary purpose of a foundation, to simplify it a whole lot, is to, to really to, to hold together the structure that sits on the foundation. And it has three front functions, basically, to accomplish this task. The first one is simply to bear the load of the building. Now, my understanding is these are architectural terms, so if they're not, uh, just pretend like they are. But it talks about, when you talk about the load of the building, there's what's called the dead load and the live load. And the dead load is called the dead load because it's a, it's a, a load that doesn't change. It's the weight of the structure that the foundation has to support. It doesn't change. If you would go with me a little bit and say, in our spiritual lives, that's the day-to-day stuff that we get pretty used to that we can pretty well handle. The foundation that we have as Christians in Christ is is capable of withstanding the normal stuff, the things that don't change, the dead load. But then there's the live load, and that's all part of the load that it has to bear. And the live load changes. It's not static. The live load depends upon the contents of the structure that's being built. It also depends upon the number of people that are in that structure or on that structure. And here in Minnesota, it would also include things like the snow load in the winter. So the foundation, first of all, needs to support the load, the live load as well as the dead load. The second thing that it does is it anchors the building, the structure, to the ground. When we talk about anchoring it to the ground, we're looking at the the building, if it's not anchored, things can move, and the building can fall apart, it can crack, it can be damaged when stresses come. So it needs to be firmly anchored to the foundation. Just as us as Christians, we need to be firmly anchored to Jesus Christ, to our God, because things are going to happen, things are going to come that are stressors, things that cause us to, to, to wrestle with our faith at times. And the third thing it does, it isolates the building from the moisture. In the case of my, my deck that I mentioned, the moisture in the ground had caused that wood to just rot and decay. We need a good foundation in our spiritual lives so that our spiritual lives do not rot and decay and become weakened because things will happen. Stressors will come. Circumstances change. If the ground underneath the, the foundation is problematic, If it's too wet, maybe it's too sandy, maybe it's built on a slope, any of these things would cause us to have to do extra things to the structure to build that up so that the foundation can hold and hold the structure. We need to do these things in the natural with a project, with a structure, so when the winds come, the storms come, the floods come, the structure holds. That's no less true about us as Christians. That foundation of Jesus Christ, that foundation of our faith needs to be built up. It needs to be undergirded because storms will come, circumstances come, challenges come. And I believe this is especially timely right now when we look at the area, the way we're living, the, the time we're living in with this COVID-19 thing, for example. 
our strength and stability as Christians, as, as believers, depends on our foundation. You know, when you think of this COVID-19, the words worldwide pandemic, those words alone are enough to cause people to get fearful, to get worried, to feel anxious, dismayed. Just the words. Then we have the sickness. Then we have disease. Then we have stay-at-home orders. Then we have social distancing. Then we have the whole mask thing. Wear them, don't wear them. We've got all this conflicting uh, information coming from supposed experts. All of these things combined can cause a lot of stress. And if we're not firmly grounded in our Lord, they can cause fear, anxiety. We can easily become dismayed. And believe it or not, this COVID-19 thing could be just the tip of the iceberg. Now, I share these things not to create more fear. But as Christians, we are supposed to be watchful, watching the hour we're living in. We need to be aware. One reason we need to do those things is that we can make sure our foundation is girded up, our foundation is reinforced, our foundation is strengthened. So that no matter what comes, we stand for the glory of God. That we are not like the world around us. So when I share these next few things that could come just because of this COVID-19, we need to be aware, but we do not walk in fear, live in fear, nor be dismayed. The first thing we're already seeing is major unemployment. Some of you that I'm talking to right now are either furloughed or you're, you're laid off. Some of you, they, your jobs may be gone, and they may be gone forever. That The unemployment is probably only going to get worse. I hope they're wrong, but some people are talking 20 to 30% unemployment. Numbers that haven't been seen since the Great Depression that none of us or very few of us alive even know about. And when with that kind of unemployment will come all kinds of stress in the area of finances, bankruptcies. We're already hearing about this in the news. Corporations, large corporations, have been around for years filing bankruptcies. Businesses, restaurant chains, filing bankruptcies. Individuals, filing bankruptcies, small businesses. This thing could just keeps going. It's like a snowball going down a hill. It gets worse and worse. The bankruptcy come, we see kind of an economic collapse in a lot of general directions, especially in the housing market. It could totally collapse. We've already seen and hear about some food shortages that are taking place. This could easily get worse. And as all these things, if they come to pass in the way that some people are projecting, it could easily lead to a complete breakdown of our culture, our society. Again, not talking about these to create fear in our hearts, but to, to make us aware that we need to be grounded on our faith, knowing who our God is, how great our God is, how much He loves us. We forget sometimes just how great God is. When you look at these things, a breakdown of society. You know, I, I first laughed a little bit to myself when I saw this, and some of you I'm sure have heard about it, but there was a barber or salon owner in, in Michigan who decided to open up. And when he opened the doors, he, 
he had outside his doors militiamen, armed militiamen standing outside his doors. Uh, This is kind of ridiculous, kind of funny, but reality is, what if law enforcement would have came? What if they'd have been confronted? This is the type of thing that could just begin. And if you can imagine with the food shortages in major cities, what could happen? How are we going to stand as Christians? How are we going to live our lives? As Christians, believe it or not, and I know you believe it, we will face frightening situations. We are not immune to problems because we're Christians. It doesn't work that way. We are going to have plenty of opportunities for fear and dismay, anxiety, worry to creep in and start to control our thoughts. And once it starts to control our thoughts, it starts to control our behavior. And we will look just like the world around us. Yet the Lord tells us over and over and over and over again in the Scriptures. Actually, He tells us over 300 times in the Scriptures in one form or another, do not fear. Which brings me to the text that I want to share today. In Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear. And I will go back to this word so that connects us to the previous verses. But it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. This word dismayed really in the original language means don't be looking around. Don't be looking to and fro. Don't be looking at all that's going on around you. It's like it's saying, keep your focus. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We see two clear commands in this verse. Do not fear. And do not be dismayed. Do not get distracted. Don't look around. Don't get fearful. Don't get dismayed. Two challenging commands. And when God commands us to do something, we should know and understand that there are good reasons to do it. And when I say good reasons to do it, I don't just mean because of the benefit or the blessings to it. What I mean, there are good reasons why we can do it. Again, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. It's like, but Lord, how? How do we not fall into that trap? Look what's going on around us. Look at the reports that we're hearing. How do we not do that? And he gives us reasons why we can trust God. And these are what I will be referring to as the five pillars of fearlessness. The five pillars of fearlessness. Now, for me personally, I want to take a little bit of time here to step back and explain why this starts with the word so. When you see a word like that, it's connecting to what was said previously in the chapter. And I want to look at that, and I also want to give us just a brief look at what was going on in the context of the times when the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. Isaiah was called by God to be a prophet. And at the time of his calling, the God's people were a nation experiencing peace and prosperity. But it didn't last very long. The nation, God's people, split into two parts. The nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And it didn't take very long. They boarded the nation of Israel, the, the northern nation, 
was taken captive by the Assyrian Empire. And they were deported and taken away. And prophet Isaiah continues to prophesy. And we see he continues to prophesy through the whole first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah about things that were taking place in his lifetime. And he prophesied to king after king after king, warning them, the kings of Judah in particular, the southern kingdom. But they chose to ignore him. And God's punishment, if you would, judgment, if you would, but discipline would probably be the best word, came upon them over and over again. And the Assyrians attacked and ravaged the southern nation of Judah. Matter of fact, it got so bad, Jerusalem was almost lost to the Assyrians. And this is what the prophet Isaiah was writing about and speaking the word of God to during most of his lifetime. But then as we go through the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, there's a change that takes place. 39 chapters, he's prophesying about events of his day. Chapter 40, it changes into futuristic, where we begin to see the the blessings of God returning to his people. And in chapter 41, where we're at today, we are seeing that God, through his prophet Isaiah, he is reminding his people who he is and encouraging them. And that's what I want us to do today, to be reminded who he is, that it would encourage us and strengthen and build up the pillars of fearlessness in our own lives and the days we're living in. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to just quickly give a brief overview of the first nine verses of chapter 41. And what I want to focus on is who God is. How great our God is. In verse 1, he talks about the people. It says, The coastlands, listen to me in silence. And let the peoples gain new strength. Let them come forward and let them speak. And let us come together for judgment. He is saying the peoples of the earth will be gathered together and our God will judge them all. The God that we serve is the God who will judge. In verse 2 it goes on, Who has aroused one from the east whom he calls in righteousness to his feet? He delivers up nations before him and subdues kings. He makes them like dust with his sword as the wind-driven chaff with his bow. He, this God, rules all rulers. Kings of this earth are all under the rule of our God. He is the ruler of all rulers and always will be. Verses 3 and 4, He pursues them passing on in safety by a way he had not been traversing with his feet. Who has performed and accomplished calling forth generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, am the first and with the last. I am He. God is the uncreated first. He existed before anything else existed. He is the creator of all things. That's our God. He will judge all the nations. He rules over all rulers. And He is the God who created all things. In verses 5, 6, and 7, I'm not going to read them, but it talks about the efforts of man to try to convince themselves hey, we're okay. They look to their own devices, their own intellect, their own wisdom, their own creativity. And in verse verse 7, it talks about and makes reference to the craftsmen. And what are they doing? They're building idols. And they build their idols. And in verse 7, it says, 
hey, everything's good. Everything's not good. Man's efforts always fall short. But in verse 8, it says these words, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. God has chosen us. These verses tell us these these truths that God is the judge of all things, that He is ruler over all things. He's the first and last. He was before creation. All things exist because of Him. Whatever the world is thinking is not good. It will not work. They can encourage each other. They can pat each other on the back. They can compliment their wisdom and their intellect. But ultimately it fails. Whatever idols they build up to try to worship, whatever they are, they will fail. But God has chosen us. The point being, this is the kind of God that we have. And this is why this verse in the NIV starts this way. So do not fear. Therefore, because He is the judge of all mankind, because He is the ruler of rulers, because He's before the beginning, and because He's chosen us, we can trust God and do not fear. And do not be dismayed. Powerful commands. Challenging commands. But, commands all the same. The word used for fear here in the original language really can have two meanings. One, it can mean in the area of awe and reverence. But most of the time in the Scriptures, it's talking about fear, being afraid. And certainly in this context, that's the usage. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. And in the, the Hebrew language or the original language, when we look at this other word for do not be dismayed, it's the word that really means to look at, to gaze. In other words, the New, New American Standard translates it differently. It says, do not anxiously look about. If you put that in there, do not anxiously be looking about. Looking to your left, looking to your right, looking behind you, looking ahead of you. Why? Because there's so much going on, it's distracting you. You're getting totally wrapped up in circumstances. Your faith is being eroded. The foundation is getting shaky. The pillars are becoming weak. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not dismay. The power to do this comes from understanding the promises. You know, you and I have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the power of God living in us to enable us, to help us to follow and obey those commands, to do not fear, do not be dismayed. But as I said earlier, when He gives us those commands, He gives us reasons why we can trust Him. And look what he says in this verse, this one little verse, these five pillars, reasons that we can confidently follow God. Do not fear. How can I do that? Because I am with you. Do not be dismayed. But Lord, look around. I'm your God. That's who I am. I am your God. And here's what I'll do. I will strengthen you. I'll give you strength. When you're weary and weak, I will give you strength. And I will help you. No matter what, I will help you. And last but not least, 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Five pillars for us. Five reasons why we can trust God. Why we do not have to fear. We do not have to be dismayed. So we're going to look at those failed pillars. Make a comment or two at most. But I want to show you a few scriptures. And I would encourage you, in your Bible study time, use your concordance. And, and look up some words and find some scriptures because there are so many scriptures that work with every one of these pillars of fearlessness. The first pillar, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Do not fear. I am with you. God is with us. His presence is with us. You know, there's an interesting thing about, about fear. When we're separated, isolated, alone, it gets worse. We're more susceptible. God's saying, I am with you. Do not be afraid. Deuteronomy 31.8 For the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. He's with us always. He remains closer than a friend. No matter what's going on, we need to be reminded that God that created the universe is with us. He's with us. Pillar number one. Pillar number two. I am your God. You might go, duh, well, it's important enough that God put it in the Scripture or the words of the prophet. I am your God. What does that mean to you and me? It means He is our personal God. He is a personal God. He's not a non-caring God. He's not a God who doesn't pay attention. He is our God. He knows everything about you and everything about me. He knows exactly what we're like. He knows exactly what we're going through. I am your God. Therefore, do not be dismayed. Do not be looking to and fro. Do not be looking around. Do not let the enemy start controlling your thoughts and your, and your mind and your actions. I am your God. I'm yours. Romans 8.31 If God is for us, who can be against us? Really? What more do we need? If God is for us, who can be against us? Pillar number three. Number one, I am with you. Number two, I am your God. And number three, I will strengthen you. I will give you strength. I already mentioned this, but just think about the power of God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. I, I really think as, as Christians, quite frankly, most of the time, we don't get it. Our mind can't comprehend it naturally, so it makes it hard for us to grab the hold of the reality of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in me. The Spirit of power lives in each one of us. The power to persevere, to preserve us. You know, when we feel weak, we feel like our strength is slipping, it's usually because we've been hanging on by our fingernails in the flesh. God says, just let it go and give it to me. I will strengthen you. I'll strengthen you. Listen to just a few verses from Psalms. And there are many verses besides these. Psalms 18, verse 32. 
It is God who arms me with strength and He makes my way perfect. Wow, that's the kind of strength that we need when difficult days are facing us, when circumstances are challenging us. It gives us strength to make our path straight. Psalms 29, verse 11. The Lord gives strength to His people and the Lord blesses His people with peace. He gives strength to His people and blesses them with peace. Wow, could the world use a large dose of peace. Of peace. God's strength. When we let go, when we release this, when we release this and let God be our strength, we will find peace in our soul. Fourth pillar. Surely I will help you. God's provision for us. Surely, certainly, most assuredly, with confidence you can believe and trust me, I'm going to help you. No matter what you're going through, I will help you. I will be your helper. It's a promise from God that He will help us. Psalms 54, verse 4. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. He is our provider. He is our provision. He will give us the sustenance we need. He will sustain us in every way, no matter what comes our way. Psalms 121, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I mean, it's good enough when he declares that my help comes from the Lord, but then he reminds us he is the maker of heaven and earth. He created all things. People, church, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is our God. This is how great our God is. This is how big our God is. And He loves us and He loves you. And these pillars built on the foundation of God will sustain us no matter what comes our way. No matter what comes our way. And the fifth pillar, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's there's so many things that we could talk about in just this little bit. His righteousness, His right hand, that position of power and authority. He says, I will uphold you. A couple more Scriptures for you in Psalm 63, verse 8. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. Psalms, 120, or, uh, Psalms 119, verse 117. Uphold me, and I will be delivered. Uphold me, and I will be delivered. Promise of God. I won't be dismayed. I need not fear, because God will uphold me, and I will be delivered no matter what comes down the pike. I will be delivered. These things that we're talking about, these scriptures, the Word of God should just be building up in us such a confidence. Our foundation and the pillars that our faith stands on, our rest stands on, should be so strengthened that nothing that comes against us should be able to overcome us. Psalms 41, verse 12. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity. And you set me in your presence forever. 
We have such amazing reasons to trust God, have confidence in God, that we need not fear, that we need not be dismayed, that we need not be looking around and seeing what's going on everywhere. And I know with all of the the information and the misinformation that's out there, all of the stuff on social media, all of the stuff on all of the networks and all of the cable, all of this information, it is so easy to get distracted. I'm not saying don't be aware. I'm not saying don't be informed. But I'm saying keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your eye on God. Remember who He is and who you and I are in His sight as His children. And what an amazing opportunity to be living, walking witnesses for Christ when days are tough, when times are challenging. We need to make our attitude and life be determined by these five pillars of fearlessness. I'm your God. I'm with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Memorize it. I'm your God. I'm with you. That's where I'm at. I'll strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you. No matter what comes. The storms of life, whatever they are. Whether it's sickness, disease, economics. He's our provider. He's our sustainer. Food shortage. Whatever it is. We are called to not fear. We are called to be different than the world. We are called to demonstrate Jesus Christ to the world around us. It comes down to things really simple. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. What do you mean? Just believe in God. Sometimes we complicate things so much. Everything I've said can be boiled down to this verse, really. Let not your hearts be troubled. How do we do that? We believe in God. We've spent time this morning talking about just how great God is, who He is, how much He loves us, and the promises that He has for us, the resources that He has for us, so that we don't need to live in fear. We do not need to be dismayed. Do we not need to be distracted by all the things around us? Just believe in God. Believe in God. Trust God. Let God be your personal God. There comes a time. Let's see. How do I want to put this? You know, in a structure, there's a wall in my son and daughter-in-law's house. If you look up near the ceiling, there's a crack and the the sheetrock that runs all the way across. Where's the problem? Is it the sheetrock? Uh-uh. Something in the foundation, once upon a time, shifted and moved. And the damage that we see in the structure really is not in the structure, it's in the foundation. What am I talking about? Why am I going here? I think oftentimes, in our spiritual walks, it's the same way. We see cracks in our faith. Fear begins to creep in. Anxiety, worry begins to creep in. 
and we're trying to figure out what the problem is. And what we really need to do is be courageous and look to our foundation. Are we believing who God is? Are we trusting in God? Are we letting God be our personal God, the one who created the universe and all that exists, the one who promises that he will help us, he will be our strength no matter what comes our way, and he will uphold us? Are we staying in that place so that our foundation is firm and the pillars are sustaining us? I pray that as we go into whatever the days bring, that we are watchful, that we are aware, that every single one of us can speak those words. I will not be afraid, and I will not be dismayed. I will not let the things around me distract me from my Lord and Savior, the God who loves me. And may we take it even a step further. May the world that's watching us say, they're not in fear. All that's going on around them doesn't seem to be bothering them. We want to live a life like this to the glory of God. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in who you are. God, the, the creator of the universe the ruler amongst all rulers, the one who will ultimately be the judge of all mankind. You have chosen us. You have given us grace to accept the gift of Christ, that our salvation is in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I pray this morning, if there are those listening to my voice anywhere on this planet that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they would acknowledge today that they are sinners and need a Savior. And in your love and your mercy and your perfect plan, you came to earth as your son, Jesus. And you went to the cross and shed your blood to redeem us that our sins might be forgiven. And you rose again on the third day to prove that the victory had been accomplished, the price had been paid in full. God, I pray that there's anyone out there that's never acknowledged those truths. Today would be the day right now that they would humble themselves before you and declare that they are a sinner and they need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the only one worthy and capable of being our Savior. And that their lives would be surrendered to you and that they might know the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. That they may live without this fear and this dismay. That they may know the peace that passes all understanding through Jesus Christ. God, that's our prayer this morning. Father, that all would know Jesus. I invite you now to worship with us with this closing song, and then we'll come back to you.